Welcome to the Our Innergate podcast. We're leading the education rebellion for nurses by nurses. Your hosts, Karen DeMarco and Antra Boyd, asked me to do this intro because of my sexy voice. You're welcome. Get ready to be enlightened, entertained and inspired by experts who don't just think outside the box. They blow it up and want to resuscitate your love for learning. When you're finished, listen for instructions on how to check off one of those CE credit boxes by heading over to the rnegade.pro website. Keep your knickers on. The show is about to start. Actually, knickers are optional. We'll never know. We met 2018, I think, with Supercoach Academy when you were doing that thing. Mm-hmm. My second time around. And I know you've done a lot of interviews and podcasts and whatever. And I was witness to that. Uh, I think it's in Italian, La Fadra. La Fadra. Like the fire at the yeah, The moment. The moment. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. The question I like to start with is what happened? Tell me about an incident, an insight, uh, or just a that something about it made everything look different from one day to the next? When I, the, uh, for me, the biggest difference in my life is traveling from a place of, I started out, like I said, I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, in the, the inner city, so to speak. And it was in a very aggressive tone, but the tone was, I don't give a fuck what nobody think about me. Right. That was the defense tone. If I don't care what nobody think about me because they think I won't make it to 18, because they think I'm growing up in these projects, I won't be anything because I'm in a single parent household. I can't achieve or I don't meet certain things because I don't get it as fast as the kids in my class. Something must be wrong. Like if I don't care what they think, they can't affect me. these things don't hurt. Right. Then I got a little bit older and that aggression kind of tapered off by the time I got into the military and it had to be, well, I don't really get concerned by others' opinions. So I kind of dressed it up, but it's still the same defense. Still the same defense. Trying not to take on those people who don't like me or didn't see what I was capable of doing. And coming into the understanding of what you were talking about and and what happened with Michael was, it flipped so upside down that I'm at the point now, I don't even care what I think about me. So that gives me a freedom to just move. So for instance, let's say we're on this podcast and I'll use this because this is what happens in society. This is the, the issue society are very heightened on. And let's say, Karen, you want to go into something about race. And let's say you shoot off some shit cross and it could be perceived as racist as it comes, right? Well, because I don't care what I think, when I think you're being racist, it flies by. And I stay in this spot of what I know about that lady is that there's a space that she loved because I could see it. She's expressed it to me before. So what the fuck got her so charged up that she felt the need to engage with me on this, at this rate? And what I notice is it allows me to see people 
at a level that I don't even want to combat them at. I either see that they're hurting and I don't obviously don't want to fight anybody who's hurting. I see that they're being an asshole and I just don't want to spend my time around an asshole. Or I see that, that, that they're, you know, whatever. It's just like not caring about what I think has fundamentally changed my life. It's, it's how shit gets out now. People say, oh my God, you're doing so much. You're do no, I'm not. I'm doing the same shit. I'm just putting it out now. I got computers and computers full of notebooks full of shit I wrote that I thought wasn't good enough to ever be put out. I got videos recorded for days on talking about stuff that I never put out because I thought it wasn't perfect enough or I thought it wouldn't do anything or I thought, well, once I gave a, stopped giving a fuck about what I thought, shit just come out now. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's just like, oh, put that out, you know? Like, oh, and people are like, man, you're busy. I'm like, no, man, I'm really just doing the same shit I've been doing. It's just now I don't give a fuck what I think it comes out now. You know, you get to, I get to engage it into the world. I get to see what comes back, you know? Um, so that that's probably the, the biggest insight. It was hard getting there, though. I, I'm fighting myself, losing the... Well, for, say a little bit about that for people who don't know you. I mean, it's easy to... You know, when, when you're in our bubble, it's like... Got it. Okay, you know, true. Good point. So if, if nobody's uh, ever met you before, they don't know, you know, give a little bit... Um, what, tell what them about I that mean, moment or moments that led up to the you not get, caring what you think. As I understood life up into, into meeting uh, Michael in 2018, what I understood about life was this. It was always going to have to be lived in a way that I could never truly be myself. So I was going to always have to taper off um, for a few reasons, just because um, I've had my life has yielded me the I considered it an opportunity. Now, I didn't understand it then, but I've been on both sides of just about every us versus them fight there is. I've been the person who's received the hatred and I've been the person to give the hatred. So I understand both sides. I've been the person who's received the anger, illness, hurt that comes off somebody's tongue when they're spiraling out of control. And I've also given it. I've received racial hatred. I've received bigotry, bigotry for being a black man, but, but I've also given it. For me, this understanding settled me to a spot where I was able to, one, realize I wasn't broken, that I was just like everybody else, and if that's true, then really anything is possible. Well, if anything is possible, why ain't I doing shit? Oh, because I keep stopping myself because I care about this, this, and then it was like unplug one by one. Why yeah. does that matter? Oh, well, that's because they said if this happened because a black man, I'm supposed to be angry about it. So if something about slavery comes up, I'm supposed to fire off and, and bring with me the angry from the escaped slaves to every conversation I have about this. And it was like, but that don't work. That, that just usually ends up in an argument in the conversation. I leave pissed, they leave pissed. I remember trying to have conversations around race when Trayvon Martin died. Completely different. Because I was giving it to you, whoever you was. Right? Because I saw it as it was my job, my right to do it. So, you know, whatever the case may be. And then when we're coming into this understanding and realizing that I was 
just as the people who hurt others, I had the same space or capacity within me. I kind of really just went on this thing of just worrying about myself. And not in the sense that I don't that I don't love to affect humanity, but what I mean is that I only speak on or talk to things that I've dug up in and dug out of me. Right? Because I know that. And I'll I'll say when people say, um, I was on a, I was on the show not too long ago and somebody wanted to talk about child abuse. And I said, okay, I'm cool talking about child abuse, but I want to make it clear and I want to make it known I still have a lot of weight on that issue. So I'm going to fly in and out. You're going to hear some, oh, that's that's that loving Rob, that smiley mm-hmm. laughing I like. But then you're going to hear this motherfucker flip out too. And you're going to be like, wait a minute. Well, I'm telling you, I still have weight on people abusing kids. Right? That That was all life became about for me, identifying what I got weight on and then holding space for others in other, you know, in other areas. I love the way you put that. I will only speak to things that I've dug out of myself. Yeah, so. yeah, oh, yeah. I can't speak because that's all I know that's true. The other stuff is made. I don't know if it's true that you can have that over child abuse. I don't know that to be true now because to me, it's still weighted based on my feelings. of. I don't know if you could get to how I feel about race and, and this and that with kids. One day I will. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. You know? So when you have weight on something and you recognize that you have weight on it, do, is it something that you just sort of let sit and percolate? Is there something to do? Is there... It depends on how the coin drops. So I flip coins. That's how I make every tough decision in my life. So like I, literally a coin? Literally. Flip okay. a coin. Literally flip a coin. Heads, active, Tails passive. Child abuse was passive. So when I flipped it, when it came back passive, that meant just sit with it. Mm-hmm. If something comes back active, I go and I research. I start looking. I dig. I, I get I put myself in the conversation. Uh, if it's passive, I wait on it. Why do I choose to coin? Because it's just as random as anything. And it allows me not to be the one because obviously I would choose everything I ain't got weight on. Uh, duh, that's just a beautiful thing. <laughs> right? Um, so I don't want that, that. I want it to be just as chanced. Uh-huh. You know, unless I double hit the coin, you know. But uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it, it just works for me. Another thing I've learned is the fall is just as powerful of a teaching tool as the rise. Yeah. So I don't care which direction. I just came back from Birmingham, Alabama and Karen knows this, but my brother... Um, lost an 11-month-old child. Mm-hmm. And so for two years, we've been trying to get him on a track. That same brother I was talking about, the hood brother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on two years, we've been trying to get him a track not to consume that anger, whatever. And he calls me one day laughing because my ways had, you know, kind of, yeah, that shit, you got that shit, that shit falling off on me now. <laughs> and, uh, this is no joke. This is exactly what he said. He said and this is how my, my family sounds, literally. That's why I talk about that. <laughs> So you hear them, you'll be like, that's exactly what they So It's no, you know. Um, <laughs> God, that shit falling on me. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. said, um, he was like, um, yeah, I'm starting. I, that shit about loving yourself. I'm, I'm like, fuck that. I'm up here thinking about loving myself and shit, you know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And he was like, yeah, yeah. So, but in his in his world, what that meant was, he was like, you know, I just got up there. I just really put on a nice outfit. I went and got my car clean. I'm a cruise through the neighborhood. Like, 
that's his well-being where he is mm-hmm. right and so that was earlier that day he was off that day that night he called me and his exact words were somebody's going to die i just don't know who and i go wait 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 what's what's wrong and at that point we find out that there was a person charged with the death of the baby and that person who was charged just so happens to be his ex-girlfriend, the baby's mother. Mm. And he lost his shit. And all I could think to do was bargain. I was like, okay, just don't do anything till I get home. Just let me get there. Will you promise me? No, no things, no nothing. And we sat and he was like, well, I mean, he was just going and he was like, yeah. And how I knew he promised me for real was the FaceTime was moving and I could see him grabbing the guns out of the car, walking back in the house. And when I got to his house a week later, those guns were still in the closet because he showed them to me. He had not been riding around in the car with them. To him, that was his wisdom to say that if I saw somebody in her family because of my anger of losing my child, I would have just immediately reacted. Now, he doesn't know this. He doesn't know any of this is wisdom or mm-hmm. any of his, his learning or his, you know, his guided, but I could see it. And um, it kind of just woke me up to everybody has it. Even him in his, you know, and it was funny because it, it was the first time it, all these statistics kind of flipped upside down for me. Like, wait. Most kids in that area do die before they're 18. Most people don't accomplish things when they're in this kind of environment, this and this, but you're 36. You've doubled it. Wisdom has worked for you. You didn't get shot at 18. Mm -hmm. Like now you do have a job. Wait, you did move out the project. Wait, you got it. Like it's, and it was just like this, wait, and then I'm starting to look around at everybody having it, but at the level in which they're at. And it was it was just beautiful. Even the ones who die before they're 18. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, because what my nephew did, I, I remember coming to grips, and I don't even use the term coming to grips as if it was anything, uh, the acceptance of reality that he was no longer with us was paled in comparison to what came about after his death like because he was so young everybody stopped their shit so my mother and my stepmother who've been in each other's lives since i was eight maybe nine decided that there was no longer a reason to be on opposite sides because their son was hurting And now, for the first time in my life, my life, my mom and my stepmom talk on a regular basis, like to to encourage one another, because my stepmom has two daughters and then my mom has two boys and then I have another brother. Like they encourage each other to keep going. Like these are all our kids because we all been around each other so long. This is the first time I saw my mom and my dad at the same dinner table. It's the first time my maternal, my mom's grandmother has met one of my sisters from my dad, daughter, like a lot of that happened. You know, a lot of cousins, a lot of things, you know, happened as a result of that because everybody came to the table with no shit because it was such a 
was such a, just a hard thing to accept, so to speak. And uh, even myself, I remember trying to go home and have the right thing to say. Like, what the fuck is the right thing to say when somebody loses a child? I don't know. I never lost a child. Um, and I found myself with nothing to say. Um, that was another thing. Just if it's nothing to say, it's nothing to say. I can't yeah. make up shit no more. And not to minimize what you're talking about or what just happened. I mean, <clears throat> with the terms, but it's like the death of your nephew, that innocence was such a contrast between all the habitual bullshit that everybody was living under that separated them, you know, that they kept buying into. No. And that was such a contrast between all this meaningless. No, yeah. I love the way that, it, that, that it just went. Yeah. It's like a, a, the vision. As soon as you said getting under, it's like a kid under a blanket. You know, the kid is playing under the blanket, can't see shit. And then all of a sudden stick his head and go, what? What are y'all doing? Wait, I want to come in there. You know, like it was that. It was like, oh, my world, my world, you this, you that, you got this, you got this. Wait, what? what? <laughs> and then you put the blanket down of the thinking, the habitual thinking and all that and walk into the room and become present and, and shit change. That's kind of like, man, for me, the, the way I see it, the way I do it. Great examples. The, the Michael one, but great examples of how everything looked different from one day to the next and continued to look different on deeper levels. And then even most recently with your nephew. Now, how are you different in the world? I mean, you give, you've given some examples, but just that's what you saw. And how are you different in the world? It is an activeness on my part. Um, I used to have a lot. Besides of, being late. <laughs> I, uh, I used to have this thing around activism. Right. The term activist, it was it had negative connotations the way I understood it when I was younger, growing up. Um, it meant it conflicted because activists were kind of like the Malcolm X's. And I, I saw myself more like a Martin Luther King. Right. Like, uh, I really don't want to fuck nobody up. I mean, I know how to. But I really don't like doing that. You know what I mean? Like, can we just kind of like talk this out, man? Like, you know, you know, you know I, if you beat me up, I go home, I, you know, heal my wounds. But. On this side, we start shooting each other. Shit different. You know, can't come back from that. So activism had this, this different term. And I remember breaking it down. I, I keep this book here, Etymology, a book, and it, it just breaks down the words and their origin. And it was just basically being active. Being active. Okay. Well, what do I want to be active about? That what I believe is real. So what changes significantly me in the way that I show up is my default is to show up in love. Period. No matter what, what I'm facing in my life, like I, it's an active, it's an active role to show up and just hold space for others. Now it's an active be present. It's an active want to make laugh. Um, one, because I personally believe you can't laugh in past or future tense. It has to be present to laugh. You have to be present to laugh. Actively not taking things so serious. Actively just embodying everything that comes out of my fucking mouth. Can you, can you do that? Can you show up like that even when there's weight on something? As best I can. That's why I, I acknowledge the weight on it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I acknowledge the reality of it when I show up. So I don't, because for me, and I heard somebody say, to me, consistency 
it seems like something that will enforce reinforce lying to people right like if if i gotta be <laughs> monday tuesday wednesday thursday and everybody is known and come on my podcast to see me like <laughs> this and everybody talks about how much they love when i'm like this <laughs> For those of you who can't see the video, and I'm just watching that video, he's got this shitty grin every time he pauses. Like, Rob, you're going to be famous on our TikTok channel. I it, just have to tell you, it could just it could be a mask that he just puts on when he needs to smile. Uh, you know, you know, but, but there was a point. That's that's kind of like what it is. It was like, well, it's awkward family photo smile. Put that mask on the day I don't feel like that. But I still show up like that. I start doing it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I start doing it again. I start being untrue to myself and thinking, um, and caring about what I think, and in caring about what I think, I'm starting to show up and make sure I meet your needs and your metrics and your this and your that. I'm out, I'm way out of bounds at that point. So it's it's how I protect myself by saying, hey, okay, cool. I'm I'm there to talk about it. I got weight on. It. Or for instance, I was on the, um, there's a couple who invited me on their podcast and they are all about relationships and marriages. And they were like, we want to get you on the podcast. Opened it up. Not even a fucking relationship coach. I didn't fuck many of them up. So I have no idea why y'all got me on here right now. Right? Like, But all they wanted me to talk about was love. Because in relationships, love is important. And I was like, Oh, I see what y'all did there. I like that. Okay, that's it. So, again, making it aware. I'm not a relationship coach, so you don't even expect that shit to come out of my mouth. But you hear love, because that's what I'm talking about. Whether it's love for myself, whether it's love for my, the human race, whether it's love for the person. I mean, oh, it's, that's all I'm talking about. Oh, God. There, there's so many layers to that. May I try to put some together that... <laughs> so... You just went deep. Yeah. Well... <laughs> First, you talked about active. I'm actively, I'm actively. But at the same time, I heard, now this is, this is going to be hard to say, but hopefully you'll follow me. You're, you're no longer resisting when you don't care what anyone thinks about you truly because you don't care. The only way to care what other people are thinking is if you care what you're thinking because you're thinking, <laughs> yeah. what are they thinking, right? So, <laughs> so that's that, shit, you know? that takes care of, Everything. If you don't care what you're thinking, you're unfuckwithable about what everybody else is thinking, right? Oh my gosh, it's brilliant. So <laughs> you love it. There's no resistance. No. And resistance is active, but from you, from you, you're active in the lack of resistance to everyone else. You're you're full and you're overflowing. It's almost like you have to be passive to be active. You know what I mean? I know that sounds weird. No, no. It makes- but the resistance, but then again, if you show up actively, inwardly resistant, there, you, you there, can't. There's, truth. there's no way. You can't there's be no. active out there. You can't yeah. connect with people because they're, you're asking them to connect with somebody who really isn't you. Huh. It's just the mask. You- they know it. Right? They know it if you show oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like they can smell it a mile. It's smelly. Yeah. yeah. And the implications you've illustrated when people take off those masks and the resistance 
ends. They're not caring what they think anymore. The baby came out, you know, of underneath the weight of their habitual thinking mm -hmm. and stories. Look what happens when people, and, and I think what happens, and I'd love to hear what you say about this, Rob, but it's, it seems like if you just recognize that that's all that's going on, this 10 year hatred I've had for that person or this, you know, my lifelong uh, prejudice against that in those individuals or that sex or that gender, you know, whatever. And when you just recognize that I'm just under the weight of a blanket, that's probably been laid on top of me by other people. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes just recognizing that that's what's going on is, is the crack and grace does the rest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, um, I love that. I, the only, the only, I guess the adding or, or piece I would, would put to it is that it does sound that simple, but I know it's a lot harder. Meaning, and I'll just go back to the Michael Neal. I'll start at Michael Neal because this is something I've been talking about lately. It's funny because me and Michael was like, he was laughing. He, we laugh about it because we know it happened, but a lot of people don't know it. But me and Michael's relationship now is significantly better than the year after my awakening. It was super weird. I fought it. I, I knew it was true, but I fought it. And I, I, I mean, at one point, what the fuck you want from me, man? And I'm crying. Like, I'm, I'm confused. You're telling me there's this greatness. Bro, that shit conflict with what my mama them to said. Like, that was a lot of turmoil. He, and this is, again, why, why I feel as was lucky and blessed. He never pointed me to anything else other than myself. It was like the way he mentored me, he wasn't scared when I threw up all of my defenses while what he's saying wasn't true. And he didn't fight them. He didn't say they weren't valid. He didn't any of that. It just didn't move him that it was my truth, which made me think he's got to know some different shit. <laughs> like, like, why the fuck ain't you crying? Like, shit, right? You know? Like, like, yeah, why aren't you crawling under this blanket with me? <laughs> exactly, you know? Yeah. I think that's the piece that I, I want because I had this incident once and I, I put too much thought in it. But I was talking with this guy in the barbershop and he was, he was a diehard Christian. And when I say die hard, he's he's die hard in his in his thinking of it. And he said something, uh, or I said something, and he looked at me. And I saw, I I literally was like, hey, 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 you're free to choose. You're free to choose. I am not here to question everything that's happening in your head right now. I'm just saying I know that spot. I chose to jump. You're free to do whatever you want, man. He literally walked out the barbershop. Because I remember thinking, if I got to give up Christianity, I can't do this because that's my whole family. Like, I, like, 
it uh, 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 stuck. And then you realize, like, oh, it was much bigger than that. Oh, my bad. Okay, well, I didn't see that. You should have started laughing with that. You know what I mean? It's just like, once people get in, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. But when you're out, when it's when life is lived from the outside in, this shit sounds superficial. And when we hear superficial shit, it usually turns us off. Yeah. And yeah, so platitudes and yeah, I just so that's why of journey course, to wellness. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Of course, yeah. Rob, life is great. You live in Malibu, California. Of course, you know this is that. Like, I can understand that. I can I can see that. So I guess the only thing I would say is that yes, that that is true. If they could just wake up to that, that life would be easier. But kind of like. I still hug them if they're under the blanket. I think that's enough. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I'll just still hug them if they're under the blanket. Because under the blanket, you're just under the blanket. Like, it's just, just, just under can, the blanket. Can you talk a little bit more about sort of, and maybe just from your own, your own place, you, you mentioned how Michael, when you were in that confusion, kept pointing you back to yourself. And <laughs> what does it... For every, I just realized we're like how far into this, and we've talked about the Michael thing, and I just want to take yeah. thirty seconds <laughs> to, to tell people who are, what are they talking about? Who's Michael? Michael Neal. Link, and you could just put it. Oh on yeah, the- we could. Oh, that would be great. We could yeah, put it in great. show notes. So Rob has a recording of what happened, but just briefly, he was a guinea pig. Uh, Super Coach Academy is what Michael Neal runs to train people how to be coaches and he tried something new for the first time in 2018 and he had rob come in to be kind of like the guinea pig while the whole academy i think there were 60 of us were in one room watching a closed caption television of rob and michael in the other room and michael was showing us how he does an intensive i think it was for three days like three half days and uh that's what we watched and there was a moment at the end of that intensive that that the world turned from outside into inside out for Rob, for lack of a better way of showing oh, it. He, he saw the, the, yeah. the blanket was removed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And then he's like, give me that blanket. This is not safe. No. You're, you're, no. See, but it's funny. Your scaffolding I collapses. I came from up under the blanket and I was looking. I just kept it in my hand when I was walking through the room. No. Yeah, I kept the blanket just in case what I was walking into went cool. I could just go back under so I think, uh, but yes, that's what, that's what it was. It was a moment in which um, my life started. It made sense to start living my life from the inside out. And that was yeah. a growing process in its own. And it was, it was such a powerful moment that Michael himself had to like take a lap yeah. around the block. Yeah, after that. But cool. entre- so, so that well, was- I just, I just think it's such an interesting way to the way you have articulated, like he kept pointing me back to myself and, you know, we are speaking, you know, to everybody on this podcast, but also specifically to nurses. And when you show up actively and when you show up, you know, there are a lot of people in healthcare in, you know, in the world, but who are under the covers, who are struggling, who are stressed, who are, you know, in a, in a constant state of resistance. How would you, or how do you point people back to themselves? What does that look like? reminding them of themselves like think about it a nurse you chose 
to be of service to another human being. Like you chose that. You chose for people to fling shit at you. You chose for people to curse at you. you oh, pick me. I want to do that. <laughs> you chose to express your way of living your life with people who are sick. That in itself says something. Now, after you take a couple shits, you know, thrown at you, it starts to look different because you start smelling it, right? right? So it's just reminding you how to how to take a shower, how to how to rebath back up, and how to get back in the fight. None of the 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 gifts of what you're putting in can continue if you don't take care of yourself. Like the 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 caretakers are normally the worst people to take care of themselves because they are caretakers and it's their profession. It's kind of like the banker who's got money problems or the real estate agent or the marriage counselor who's been married eight times or the real estate agent who <laughs> rents. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that happens. A fat personal trainer, you know, a barber with a jacked up haircut. Like, right. it's, like it's your profession. A barber chef. with a bad haircut. <laughs> It doesn't mean you're perfect at it, right? Like it's just your profession. So it it just, I just get people to take care of themselves. I get get, making sure you move because you feel better when you move. And when you feel better, you do better in whatever it is you do. Like, it's just that. Like I only, I only keep talking about fitness because I realize fitness is just the easiest way that people will allow me to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody tries to run and hide from me when I'm talking push-ups or fitness. They may say, well, I can't do many, and then I have to get them. But if I start asking people to dig into their personal lives and help their relationships and shit, they'd be like, eh, who are you? What degree do you have? What side? You know, all of that stuff, the, the initials, as we say. So I'll just be like, hey, let's just work out. Let's just get to moving. Well, once you start feeling better, then really what I'm saying, you're more fertile to receive anyway. Mm-hmm. And, just, and I love pointing people to kind of remembering, you know, who they are or why they chose what they, you know, what they do, especially in nursing with the whole care, caring and taking care of ill people. Because like when you said that to me, it was like, oh, yeah, right. Like even for me. Right. And I know this stuff. And oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I chose this. And there's a good feeling with that. Yeah. And that you chose it. That's and then they I remind, they mm-hmm. remind us of that. When she got to blowing up in the military, you're like, I'm going to go home. You know, <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know this that would be me out in the field. Yeah. Hadn't taken a shower in two weeks. Yeah, you chose this, Andra. Uh, you bought your tickets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would you say, Rob, that you've seen, this is what I've seen. Tell me if, if you've seen the same. I used to have to remind myself to care for myself. That's reverse engineering, right? That's like, (laughs) that's books on the shelves at Barnes and Noble that, you know, like, how do I learn to love myself? But it's all reverse engineering because it becomes intolerable to not put yourself first. And I don't mean that in a selfish way. Everyone, you know, the way we're raised is like, oh, that's selfish to think of yourself first. No, when you fill yourself to overflowing, when you stop resisting, when you stop, and actually that happens as a consequence of not caring about what you think. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and then your all your ideas of who you are, you don't care about them. And I'm speaking very nebulously, but it's almost like the little you gets out of the way and the big you fills you up to overflowing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's no, and so I'd, I'd love to make that distinction. It's a great question, Antra, and it's a great answer, but okay, but it kind of goes back to how do you show people there's only one thing to do and it's stop caring about what you're thinking. That seems to be the theme, that the thing that was most impactful for you. Even during your year after with Michael, he kept pointing you back to the blanket. He kept pointing at the blanket, you know? I kept thinking I needed to say it and learn it how he says it and learn it. That was a lot of it. I, I kept thinking I needed to do it his way. Why? Because again, going back, I thought I was broken. So it would make, oh, okay, so what he gave me adds to my broken self and it might make a hole. And then I could try to help half of what Michael thinks with a little bit of what I think. And maybe I could serve this to somebody. I want that shit. I am not want to eat that. <laughs> Like going to, I go to your house and get your scraps from yesterday. And then I go to our house, gets her scraps. From <laughs> and then I fight y'all over for dinner. Y'all looking at me like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you know, like, no, that's, no, I need fresh. I, I, I need fresh. Um, and it's just believing it's true. It's believing it's true. It's believe I, I love helping people, but when I really realize I am so much better at helping people when I take care of myself, I bought into it. What when you say it's believing it's true. It's true. Meaning taking care of yourself first, putting your own mask on first, loving yourself first. Like all of those are true to me. And I know them that I know those being true makes me show up better for my clients. Yeah. Better for my friends, better for my family, better for my dogs. Hell, you know, it's just better overall. And when you have, and when you care so much about what you think, you don't have time to do any of that. I mean, I, I remember I was walking down to St. Charles in Boston and I had just um, had, I, you know, had a big surgery for cancer and I was on my way to feeling better and I stopped, like dead stopped. I was walking with my husband and I stopped. I was like, oh my God. And Mike was like, what? And I was like, I have so much of me on my mind. And I saw like the entire walk was only a conversation about my health. Was like, oh, well, what do you think about this blood testing? Do you think I should be checked here? Like on and on and on. Like it was nonstop and it's been nonstop for like two months. Oh, after the surgery. And I stopped and I was like, all I do is think about myself. I have so much of me on my mind. What if I didn't? And everything changed after that when I saw that. And it just sounds like the same thing. Like I started to care way less about any of it. Like I just didn't even think about it as much anymore. And consequently, I started to feel better. Go figure. But it was that that caring less. Yeah, because I think that's the difference. And Karen, you was alluding to this earlier. Sounded, you know, when people say, "Oh, it's selfish to think about yourself all the time." In that way, you were talking about it is. It is in that way. Like you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But not in the way we're talking about taking 
care of yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's not thinking about yourself. They're totally different. Totally different things. Yep. When you are caught up in, in, in the, the thinking about your old me and what I got and he did and she did and they said and who did and they that affect me. Yeah, when you caught up in that thinking, yeah, that's that's selfish because that doesn't hold any space for anybody else. There's no ability to be present with that. Nope. That got it. Yep. But and the other way, that's totally different. It's totally different. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, what Karen, Karen, it's you hold you. It's you hold you. Yeah. That's what loving yourself is. It's also the other way of interpreting the Ten Commandments. Mm. Have you heard of that? I think Michael's talked about that before. I've ta- actually, I heard it first from, I think I read, Neil Donald Walsh wrote Conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And in the book, it, that's the first time I, I, I saw it looked at this way that made so much more sense. But when I was a kid, it's like all these rules, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And if you do, you're going to hell, right? Like that's, that's how I was raised. There's these 10 things, rules that you, well, the, there's another translation. It's thou shall not. When you take God into your heart in some translations, when you take yourself into mm-hmm. your heart, when you become so full of yourself, Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not covet. You, when you're full of yourself, you don't want anything else. All your needs are taken care of. You don't, there's no, you wouldn't dishonor your father or mother. You wouldn't even think about stealing. You wouldn't, you would be compelled to take care of yourself because that's, that's how this vessel does. Oh, it has to take care of itself because it's attached to a fire hose. It's plugged into the mains. And if you don't, the whole thing is going <laughs> to I think I, up. a book I got, I want to say it's, this might not be, but similar to what you were saying, I've heard also uh, or read a few things that said the Greek and Hebrew translations for shall not and uh, will not or would not very close and it was almost like the tomato tomato type thing yeah. or like or, or light l-i-g-h-t or l-i-t-e type type thing. yeah 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 and if you go back and you read it through a lens of love and without restriction it's like it's very much what you said well if i am consumed with the lord our god i won't go mm-hmm. do that like, yeah. it's not the you can't go. It's like you want if you and, and it doesn't mean which one was right or wrong. It was just clearly your indication to know if you were fully in the moment with God or out of the moment. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it's like a symptom. It yeah, it wasn't just how do you know the right way. That's the wrong way. It was just letting you know where you were located, because what was the mm-hmm. one question you were asked? Where are you? So it was a location. It was a, a meter balance of, are you close in me present or are you over there in your shit thinking? Like, <laughs> so, so awesome. Yeah. I just can't help but think like listening to you talk about taking care of yourself and being full of yourself is, could be so helpful and to, to nurses, to, well, to anybody, right? But because we're talking about nurses here. Because I don't think people do really know what that means. And so the conversation's been so, I think, enlightening in the sense that 
you have provided a lot of contrast between what it is and what it isn't, which I really love. Because I think it, it's, we give a lot of lip service to it, but what does it really mean? Mm-hmm. And I do, I want to shout out the nurses. This is a new understanding um, that has came on, honestly, since I met Karen. Some of the conversations I was hearing with Karen, I was like, nurses do that? Wait, nurses, what? Man, y'all motherfuckers is real. Like, <laughs> like, okay, you know what I mean? And then they start meeting other nurses. And then I'm like, wait, y'all nurses go hard. And I say this now, whenever I talk on it, especially in this platform, I consider nurses just as important as our policemen, our firemen, like, you know when you met a bad nurse. <laughs> you know it, right? It's just like you ran up into, if you run into an asshole cop, like, you know it, right? It's, it's, it's just like, you all are first responders too. You all are where the rubber meets the road. You all are, are like that too. And I didn't know that. So these, the last couple of years here. And I also didn't know how well y'all didn't take care of yourselves. Like we don't, as in the military people or the, the guys who are just dry. I didn't know that either. Like, Oh my God, y'all snacking in the 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 areas and the shit y'all ordered to, to food. It, it's like, oh my God. Like it's terrible. But I love y'all so much because of what you all doing. It's like it, yeah, it's it's just this yeah, yes. scraping I, I brain brains off the asphalt while you're eating a Twinkie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like totally. Yeah, exactly it, right there. But I have to think that there's just so, there's so much to be said for what does that really mean to be full of yourself and how do you love yourself? Because I think that has a direct impact on the kind of team we form, on the kind of outcomes that we get for our patients, the kind of errors that we prevent or see before they even happen. I mean, I think that piece is so key because like you said, you show up better, you do better. Yeah, I think it's not, I think it's actually being, you know, when people think love yourself or be full of yourself, they might translate into be more of yourself. And then you have teams of people trying to be more of themselves and they're less of each other. It's the total opposite. It's total opposite. It's like, because underneath our past, our future, what we've been told, our photo albums of our history and our our stories about who we are and our trauma and what we've been through underneath all that the blanket under the blanket again, but underneath all that, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. And you could feel that in those, in those super coach Academy rooms, you know, when people spend three days together getting out from under the blanket and that's, that's the thing that's, you're so full of that thing that's looking out of my eyes at you and out of your eyes at me. It's not covered up by stories, you know? Yeah. All right. I did this to Michael, uh, last Michael, we had him on the podcast and it's my way of having you do my work for me. Cause we're like, we're, <laughs> it's brilliant, we're, Karen. Brilliant. <laughs> we'll see what you come up with. Um, yeah. you know, when we're speaking to like a, an expert who's like, Tech, like we had an ex, a nurse who was an expert in lymphedema, right? She was brilliant. But it was kind of really easy to come up with this and this, you know, the outcomes. When we have these nebulous conversations that I know are going to be impactful, maybe even life-changing, 
You know, you give examples of, I was like this in my life at one point, and now I'm like this to yeah. kind of throw paint on the invisible man. You know what I mean? So you've done that, but what are three things from this conversation we just had? Two, three, something, anything number that sticks out to you that you think that would be takeaways? Oh, I got uh, five of them. Oh, okay, good. Go, go. go. Yeah. <laughs> Top five keys to life. Ooh. All right. Key number one. I have to write them down. <laughs> Prioritize self-care. Your biggest priority in life is prioritizing your self-care. Nothing is more important than how well you prioritize your self-care. Key number one. Key number two, move often. Doesn't necessarily have to be in the gym. Doesn't necessarily have to be by working out with a personal trainer, but move a lot. Walk, hike, bike, swim, stroll, you know, dance. Just move a lot. All right. Number three, eat balanced. Don't have to be vegan. Don't have to be vegan. But if there's brains on the tarmac, maybe a Twinkie won't get us through the ship. Okay. Maybe Karen, let's get a Nutri let's get a bar. Let's get a protein bar or something. Maybe Karen. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, right? <laughs> maybe Twinkies are not the best. Maybe Twinkies. But but eating eating more balanced, right? And understanding the reason in which we eat is to fuel the body. And your job has a very high demand of the body. So let's just make sure it's fueled properly. That's all. Nothing more, nothing less. All right. Key number four. I had to put up, ooh, I almost fucked up, put up three on the camera. Uh, four, <laughs> key number four, all right? Sleep. Uh, Leak? Sleep. Sleep. Oh, sleep. Sleep well. Like, you have to find whether you need to put your phone away 30 minutes before and turn the lights down, dim, and Auntie maybe let your husband know, hey, boo, I ain't setting the mood. This is me trying to go to sleep. Like, you know, when you dim the lights... <laughs> Put on some nice music. He might be like, "Oh shit, baby, I'm about to take a shower." <laughs> like, oh shit! Let me oh no, no, no! I would never do that if I wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> that would just give the wrong impression entirely. <laughs> but it was something they used to teach us in um, PTSD counseling on desensitizing yourself because when your phone lights up brainwaves, you're you know watching TV lights up brainwaves, so your brain is active, and now you're trying to it to sleep it doesn't work so you take about 30 minutes to decompress and let the sensory let the sensors start to kind of die down giving you better sleep because that's where we need everything happens in the sleep obviously and this one is mine and mine only is laugh a lot mm. like if you it, it ain't a one a day type thing like just as much as you can laugh or find things to laugh about uh, or even find things not funny and laugh about it. Like, you know, some shit you just like, damn, the government's <laughs> holding 9,000. <laughs> you just start laughing. Right? <laughs> yeah, that just happened. Yeah, you tell, still got weight on it. Still got okay. weight on it. That's just happened. So but that was it. Those so for things. those of you who just heard Rob's five keys, objectives, go back and listen to the first 60 minutes. And see that those are symptoms. If you get what he was talking about, what he saw, you will. They're going to get them out of order. You're going to eat balanced. 
you're going to move because you're listening to your body. You won't have to think, oh, I got to move. You just will do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. You will eat balanced. You will sleep. It's just like the Ten Commandments. They're, uh, oh, wait, eat, move, sleep. Self-care. What was the fourth of, oh, that was four. That was sleep. What was third? I missed one. Self-care. Self-care. And laugh. And laugh. And those are not commandments. Those are symptoms of what will happen if you see what Rob saw, what he talked about Mm -hmm. for 60 minutes. But until that happens, they're okay as commandments. (laughs) (laughs) At least you feel good, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. What's the worst that can happen? Get a better looking body? Get more energy? Yep. Rob, you're the best. That was amazing. We usually put this part in the, the front, and we will say this again, but how can people get a hold of you if yep. they want to see what you're up to in the world or read more about your story? We'll put that link, uh, some links in the show notes. But Yeah, you can catch me on my website, imrobcook.com, I-M-R-O-B-C-O-O-K. I'm so it's cool. also that same handle on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. That was so great. Awesome. Thank you, love. We'll yeah. see you All soon. Right. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the RNA Gade podcast. If you're a nurse and would like a CE for listening to this, go over to the rnagade.pro website. Antra, spell that for me, please. That's R-N-E-G-A-D-E dot pro. Thank you. So go on the website, find the podcast, do the activity. And if you have any questions contact us and we'll be happy to help. And if you can't figure it out, black.